It can cause you to have a racing heart, lose your breath, and experience feelings of dread. It's something that almost everyone has felt, and that feeling is anxiety. Feelings of anxiety can be normal, but when they start affecting everyday life, it's cause for concern, especially if you start self-medicating. I'm your host, Haley, and on this episode of Straight Talk with the Doc, psychiatrist and addiction medicine specialist Dr. Bott is going to explain what anxiety is and how it's related to addiction. Dr. Bott, can you start by explaining the prevalence of this disorder? You know, how common is anxiety? Anxiety is probably the most common mental illness that we see in the United States and probably around the world in many uh, industrialized and non-industrialized areas. Um, anxiety can affect up to 20% of Americans at any given moment. And um, it's significantly debilitating. And the unfortunate part is, is that many people living with it aren't getting treatment for it. So there's a lot of people who suffer with an illness that there's help for, but unfortunately aren't getting it. Okay. And how do you recognize this? What are the symptoms of anxiety? Sometimes I think people don't understand the difference between true anxiety and, you know, the difference between a thought and an emotion. And, uh, you know, it gets a little bit blurry. But anxiety in itself tends to equate to like worrying and a fear of something. And, you know, when we talk about anxiety as a, just a transient moment in time, you know, we all go through periods of life where we worry about things, you know, things are stressful at work, at home, if we have to take an exam, if we have to speak in front of a, do a presentation, a lot of things that happen that can make us feel fearful. Um, but at the same time, when it becomes a persistent pattern, when there's an, uh, a constellation of symptoms that becomes, you know, pervasive and starts to impair your functioning in life, that's when we like to call it some sort of illness or disorder. Can you explain some of the symptoms? Like, are they physical? Are they mental? There's often a combination of both. When we see people who suffer, you know, because there's so many different types of anxiety disorders. And often there are some that are just specific to the, the, the thought process. And, you know, where you're constantly worrying. You're worrying things are going to go wrong. You're worrying things people are going to judge you. You're worried that you're going to fail at something. Uh, or you're fearful that you're going to get into an accident. And then there's feelings of, you know, physical type feelings where you have headaches, where you have like brain fog, where you have like sweating and like increased heart rate. So, you know, there's there's a separation where, you know, you have that mental and then you have that uh, physical side. Uh, and both of those could be manifestations of an anxiety disorder. Okay. Those are all very negative feelings. Um, yeah, you just, definitely. You just mentioned uh, there's different types of anxiety. Can you kind of explain that? Yeah, you know, you know, when people hear anxiety, um, they often equate it to there's there's different actual formal disorders, um, and one are one's called generalized anxiety disorder. And generalized anxiety disorder is really when you know uh, somebody's feeling a lot of you know persistent feelings of like anxiety or dread where they're often restless, fatigued, they're irritable, they're constantly worrying, and they often have like physical symptoms such as like muscle aches or headaches. And, and, and this often switches from one domain in their life to another. So those symptoms are present often while worrying about something to do with work at this moment, but then it shifts to do with their family or their health. 
and then it shifts to do with maybe school or has to do with finances or money. But but the point is, is that there, this is frequent and it exists over months, if not many, maybe years. But the point is, is that they're constantly feeling wound up and on edge and it's often quite debilitating. And, and that's generalized anxiety disorder. But then, then we have, you know, different types like social anxiety about, you know, worrying about what people are thinking about you or how you're going to perform in front of people uh, or how you're going to be judged by others. There's specific phobias, like people are fearful of like certain animals. Um, there's obsessive compulsive disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder. These are all various and specific types of anxiety disorders that fall under the, you know, generalized anxiety umbrella. Okay. That's interesting. I didn't know that phobias were considered an anxiety disorder. Yeah, definitely. But that makes sense. So with a generalized anxiety disorder, kind of what you mentioned, it's easy to like always find something to worry about. You know, it's, it sounds like it's not like any specific cause. Yeah. You know, and I think that the distinguishment with anxiety disorders often that, you know, there's this perception of something to worry about. And many times it's not often, you know, a real concrete thing. And so it's that free floating, persistent anxiety. And we, we, we can attribute it to things because there are real life things going on. And especially with people who start with generalized anxiety, they, they're going to start worrying about something. But it's the fact that there's almost like this mental embellishment where, you know, there's this unrealistic fear. And that distinguishes a phobia from some of these disorders. Although, like I'm saying again, that, uh, you know, specific phobias are under the umbrella of general, you know, under the umbrella of anxiety disorders themselves. But the difference between a phobia and other anxiety disorders is that phobias are strictly unrealistic fears. So, you know, being afraid of a snake, even though the snake might be in a, in, in a, in a glass tank and it's, there's no way of this, you know, snake from escaping, but just looking at that snake evokes this dread, fear, a fear of harm, um, or, you know, driving in a car and just afraid that a motor vehicle accident is going to occur. So it's often this irrational fear. That's what identifies a phobia. But like with generalized anxiety disorder or panic disorders or like social anxiety disorders, there's often attributable aspects um, that somebody can identify. Um, that's, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're irrational at all. Okay, interesting. And so what causes this? Well, you know, there's, there's lots of factors. You know, genetics can play a factor if, you know, if you suffer from a long line of people who have anxiety disorders, you know, um, that can predispose somebody to have an anxiety disorder themselves. Um, often just being in an environment, you can start to learn like maladaptive or unhealthy coping mechanisms where people start to mimic and portray and feed off of one another living in an anxious and stressed out environment. You know, we, we often learn how to react uh, based on our parents. And so if we have parents or caregivers that are anxious, often that can lead to children to uh, be anxious themselves. But traumatic events and negative life experiences often can render one anxious due to the reality of that, you know, the trauma or the event itself. I mean, that's why post-traumatic stress disorder falls under the, you know, umbrella of anxiety disorders is because when you have a true life-threatening trauma, um, you know, it's very hard um, to not think about that 
because of the significance and the severity of of the event that unfolded. So, you know, there's multiple things that are there. Um, Also, the consumption, drugs, alcohol, you know, nicotine, um, stimulants. These are things that can physiologically, now it separates from the psychological part that I was talking about. These can physiologically, you know, key somebody up. And that constant um, unfortunate part is when somebody's using drugs or alcohol, they often put themselves in traumatic or difficult situations. And then the emotional and the physical kind of like get enmeshed together. And it just compounds the, the risk factors for developing anxiety disorder. Do people with anxiety use substances at a higher rate than those who don't have anxiety? Yeah, I think let's just be a little bit more general and say people with mental health conditions often are uh, have an increased risk factor for um, using substances. Uh, often, uh, and but that applies not just to mental health conditions; it could be physical conditions too. Um, you know, when we're dealing with things, uh, emotional pain or a physical pain, we often tend to, uh, when a drug or alcohol is introduced. Um, that could have a negative reinforcement relationship. And we, we tend to use, again, to self-medicate. And that's where the, uh, you know, possibility of an addiction or dependency can occur. So, um, yeah, the risk factor is there. And do you see people with an anxiety disorder using certain substances more than others? Yeah, so if we look at anxiety, right, it's just feeling keyed up all the time, wound up all the time. And again, we talked about different ways that it can manifest. Um you know, but the, the, the thing is, it's, it's worrying. It's mental worrying or physiologically fleeing, feeling, um, you know, wound up. And uh, that's often uh, the cause for people to take something that makes them sedated or calmer. And those are like drugs like alcohol, um, benzodiazepines, even opiates. Things that make you somewhat sedated or calmer are often things that we see people who suffer with these anxiety disorders abuse and possibly becoming um, addicted to. What's the danger in self-medicating? Well, that's the thing, you know, you're, 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 you're not, if you're using a drug for, or, or, or alcohol, um, there's no therapeutic, um, you know, degree of measurement of these things. Um, so, you know, it's not being prescribed to you. Um, there's often not consistency behind it. Uh, you can develop a physical dependency on these agents and ultimately develop an addiction. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of dangers that can occur, um, especially because, um, you know, many of the drugs out there that, you know, people are taking are often mixed with other other things. So, I mean, there's a vast degree of things that can occur uh, anywhere from, you know, uh, overdosing and uh, unable to uh, replicate, but often making the, the anxiety disorder worse. So, um, yeah, there's 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 so many different negative effects that can occur, and unfortunate part is is that uh, addiction is is the worst kind. I kind of have like a two part question. Um, I want to talk about the treatment options for those with anxiety, and also the treatment options for those who have anxiety and are also struggling with substance abuse. You know, when we look at anxiety and the fact that a lot of these manifestations are are part of our mind, therapy is really a gold standard. Uh, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy helps us address a lot of um, the relationships between our thoughts and our behaviors. And a, a trained therapist can help us navigate ways to, to help us uh, mitigate those anxious 
uh, feelings. Often yoga and exercise, uh, mindfulness, there are different types of therapeutic techniques that can help people, um, you know, lower their anxiety symptoms. But um, medications, there are plenty of non-addictive, um, non-narcotic, non-controlled substance um, anxiety medications on the market that are FDA approved. And in conjunction with therapy, often work um, very well. And if you have a proper mental health professional prescribing them, and and that doesn't mean you have to take it forever, but the key is for the for the you know it has to be customized and tailored to the person, the degree of the the symptoms that they're presenting, and what the patient wants themselves. You know, um, a lot of lifestyle behavioral changes also can help with people who suffer from stress and anxiety, and that includes modifying you know certain types of relationships, work. Um, exposures, and, um, you know, getting proper sleep and nutrition, um, looking at the holistic uh, aspects of somebody's environment. And all of this put together, all of really parts of the therapies that we have in terms of treating anxiety. Yeah, it's interesting how um, those lifestyle changes can sometimes be, you know, the hardest change to make. Yeah, I, I think it is true because, you know, especially here in America, we're, we're really go, go, go. You know, people are always on the run from one end to another, and we're fueled off of things like caffeine or, or nicotine. But these are all stimulant type agents, and that they can also make us feel anxious. And, um, you know, sometimes they're not recognized. And, and, and despite the fact that maybe, like, you know, with all of us talking on, you know, these podcasts and different shows and professionals, but sometimes people don't realize that, you know, the amount of caffeine that they're drinking is making them feel wound up and keyed up and causing the increased heart rate and uh, the amount of cigarettes they're smoking making them feel jumpy because many people say, oh, I need a smoke to actually calm down. So yeah, you know, there's a lot of just stress in our ecology and our environment, but then also the stuff that we're putting inside our bodies. And if you add illicit substances like a stimulant, cocaine or other things that can make you very keyed up, um, all of this can compound your stress. And if I could add, unfortunate side of people who self-medicate, like with alcohol or sedatives, is that these things actually render you worse. Because for every action a drug or alcohol has, the body tends to, you know, create the equal and opposite reaction. So, you know, for all the chemical sedation that somebody puts into them, our body wants to fight against it. And it increases all those chemicals that can actually make us um, more excitable, which um, unfortunately makes the situation worse. So is anxiety chronic or can you ever really fully recover and just no longer have anxiety? We, we've seen people, I mean, anxiety is a treatable condition. And, uh, you know, we have seen people go into lifelong remission after periods of anxiety. And it, it really depends on, you know, yourself, the resiliency, the type of anxiety that you have and the, the, the cause behind it. And um, we have seen people, many people, again, people who go through adjustment disorders um, with anxiety, for example, to a significant uh, or a situational stressor, they often have anxiety that's prolonged in it as a clinically diagnosed you know, disorder. But once the stressor or the offending situation goes away, they no longer uh, have the diagnosed um, you know, constellation of symptoms. And so those people do recover. And in, in other aspects too, we have seen people, you know, get better. And then there are some that often people might live with um, for the rest of their lives, but can manage it better 
uh, once they get the proper treatment. Okay, so there's definitely hope. Oh, yes. Dr. Bot, is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I think the key is, you know, emphasizing again that, you know, unfortunate part with people with mental illness, anxiety, depression, or any type or physical illness, you know, seeking out and self-medicating with drugs or alcohol only is going to worsen the situation. And uh, for all the reasons that, um, you know, we are on these shows and that we're talking about this over time, uh, obviously we want to highlight that uh, uh, substance abuse has a, a tremendous negative effect on our physical and uh, emotional health. But, uh, you know, the key is that for every drug we take, our body's going to respond in the opposite way, and it's only going to make it worse. Thank you, Dr. Bot. And to our listeners, if you or someone you love is struggling with anxiety and it's starting to affect your life, know that there are resources available and people who can help. Addictioncenter.com has more information on anxiety and addiction. You can also check out more podcast episodes on similar topics wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you for listening to this episode of Straight Talk with the Doc.